0: So, Carson Price for Monday, July 24th, 2023, coming to you from the Go Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a place to stay. Hit them on up or at the Weston Wall Center YVR. Matt Sikaris alongside Jeff Patterson sitting in for Blake Price today. Grace Sass hitting switches and conducting things in this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. We've been telling you now for weeks how the Applewood Auto Group is proud to be a leader in community giving and that their mission is to make things better for our communities and the people we work with every day. Well, saw that firsthand Thursday At Applewood Nissan Langley at a Cops for Cancer fundraiser, which included a car wash and Applewood sponsoring all four rides this year for the Cops for Cancer. A shout out and thank you to General Manager Brian McMullen, big Raiders fan, for having me out and for being such a great grill master. Rohan and Christine for helping me out with some of the social media. And, of course, the cops and first responders who were busy working hard at the car wash. Shout out Mel and John, a couple of paramedics from Abbotsford and Corporal Neal from North Vancouver. Because Jeff Patterson, when we talk about Applewood. It's all good. Very good. All right. And First, I saw
1: Hominick was there as well. Yeah, uh,
0: Jason Hominick stopped in as well. Yes, he sure uh, he sure did. His office just down the street there in Langley. Uh good to have you in this week. Uh thank you for sitting in for me on Monday. It's been a while here since we've done a show. So we're going to talk Vancouver Canucks in a thematic sense. More on that here in a moment, but also a busy weekend. Oh.
1: That we'll, oh. TV remote got a workout.
0: What an incredible weekend with the Whitecaps and Lions both playing home games, with the Blue Jays down in Seattle, with the Open Championship upon us. It was a, a sports fan's delight this weekend to take it all in. Uh, let's get to the Bodog poll question, and we'll move from there because you have penned on the two-year anniversary of the Oliver ekman larsson trade for the hockey news page that you that you manage. Would the Canucks be contenders if they had kept every first and second-round draft pick from the start of the Jim Benning era? And we've laid it all out for you there. There are eight different first- or second-round picks that were dispatched from the start of 2015 until just last month, the 2023 entry draft, that the Vancouver Canucks have moved out. This goes all the way back to the second round of 2015, where Rasmus Anderson was selected by the Calgary Flames with the pick that was sent Calgary's way for Sven Berchi, all the way up to this 2023 draft, where the two picks, 17th overall and 43 overall, sent to the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit later flipped the second round pick for Philip Roenick. And of course, those picks secured in the trade with the New York Islanders for Bo Horvat. So, Jeff, it's not an easy question to answer, granted, but it's fun spitballing in the vein of Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland for Dylan Gunther and others that they moved out. You tell me, what do you think? Would they have been a contender... If they had kept all these picks.
1: Point of clarification, please. You're saying, would they be a contender if they hadn't dealt these picks? Correct. So so you have to do saying, the J.T. Miller equation, right? Because they moved up. Right, but but where I'm getting hung up mm-hmm. is, like, Jake fortan and Nolio Levy were first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Do they figure in this equation, or would they have played their course the way they did and moved out. Like, Would they be contender if they had Ulevi and Vertanen and Cole Lind and Jonah Gajevich on the roster
0: on top of all these other picks that would have been in their quiver? Yes, there's no changing the picks they made, Jeff. Those no. were decisions they had to live with. And in the case of Ulevi and Vertanen and Lind and Gajevich, of course, all four of them are gone. For nothing. Mm.
1: I mean, really, they didn't turn any of those players into Into much of anything. I mean, Noel Juleson, I suppose, they salvaged out of the Levy deal, but... um, Depth (sighs) defenseman. Would they be a contender?
0: It was second-round picks in 2015 and 2016. It was first-round picks in 20 and 21, Gunther, of course, and this past year. Now, the last couple of years, I don't think these prospects would have made any dent on the NHL organization, but Gunther's already playing in the NHL. There were four picks before him moved out between 2015 and 2020. They turned into Rasmus Anderson, Rasmus Esplund, Shakir Mukhamadoulin, and Theodore Niederbach. Uh So, you know, two out of four have made it to the NHL, and one Mukhamadoulin is tracking.
1: I think I'd vote no. Um, I'm not sure really why I say that, just that – I mean, the goal is, and it remains, to support Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes and others with better players. And certainly, you'd like to think that with those picks that they would have accomplished that. Yep. I mean, I think they'd be further ahead as an organization, without a doubt. Contender. I'm just. I'm having trouble wrapping my head. Yep. Around and that's fair that. enough. So I think that's kind of where I am. That yes, better. Uh, how much better? Who knows? But. I'm still not convinced that that would have made them legit sure. Stanley Cup contenders.
0: Not an easy exercise, to be sure. The other thing that I grappled with in dealing with this question is who would have been making the picks? Yeah. Who should bracket throughout, and I would have had a lot of confidence, but as we know, those first-round picks, Jim Benning was guilty of being a little ham-handed, perhaps having just enough information to be dangerous, as they say at the NHL draft, and coming away with guys with like you, Levy, and Jake Vertanen, as opposed to some of the other picks that they have made, Patterson and Hughes, of course, being terrific ones. We asked this question because, as noted, well, first of all, we're doing a theme this week on the Vancouver Canucks and contending, if that's not too oxymoronic. But also, you pen for the hockey news the two year anniversary of the Dylan Gunther, Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland trade.
1: Yeah, and it just was a slow Sunday in the middle of summer, and I saw somebody tweet out that, yeah, it was two years ago, and, of course, the hockey calendar had pivoted due to COVID, and so that was a draft day deal in 2021. The draft was on July 23rd. Didn't like the trade at the time, like it even less now, and, of course, the Canucks are going to have to wear that OEL buyout for the next eight years, so the ghost of OEL remains, and by extension, so does the ghost of Jim Benning, who made this trade in sort of a last ditch effort of self-preservation and saw all of twenty-five games of Oliver Ekman Larson before yep. the Canucks cleaned house on that December night. And so, two
0: things, number one, you can almost say Oliver Ekman Larson's impact was even greater than that because you'll remember the previous summer when he let it be known Vancouver and Boston were the two teams that he would accept a trade to. And it sounds like the Vancouver Canucks tried to make it happen that summer as well, possibly to the detriment of other parts of the roster. Secondly, you say the ghost of Oliver Ekman and Jim Benning, and it's absolutely true ghosts, but I think we should always caveat that with this new regime at some point has to take ownership and agency, right? And cannot just simply blame the mistakes of the past. Every general manager, with the exception of expansion guys, are going to inherit a situation and are going to inherit problems and future problems based on the work of their predecessors. So you do have to take ownership in agency and Rutherford and Alvin are at that point. It's
1: straight out of the political playbook where every government blames the previous government. But guess what? You were voted in to fix those problems. Exactly. Now, this isn't democracy. They weren't voted in, but you're right. They were brought in to get things right that hadn't been right for a while now and were 18 months into the new regime. At some point, you do have to... Look forward, and they made the move to buy out Oliver ekman Larson So that was a significant off-season decision made by this current regime. When you look, and of course Connor Garland, the other piece, and we know now that for the better part of a year they've been trying to move Garland out of town as well. So if that happens, you know they're not going to have much to show for that trade. On the other hand, Dylan Gunther, who scored the golden goal for Canada at the World Juniors in Halifax in January. This guy's got 15 points in the 33 NHL games he's played. It's a tiny little sample size, but already as a teenager, a half a point a game player, a first round pick, a top 10 pick, who has scored goals uh, by the bunches at every level he has played and certainly looks like he will be a part of Arizona or wherever they call home he, he, uh, go the, ahead, yeah. in the years to come. He kind of reminds me of Brock Besser. He's
0: not particularly fast. But he's got good offensive instincts, a good shot, a good hard, accurate shot, sort of nose for the net. Some of the things that we were saying about Besser early in his career, which brings me to the Bodog Bowl question that you and Blake kicked around on Friday. And that is, will Brock Besser ever get to 30 goals, 30 goals in a season? 1,700 votes on this, Jeff? Yes or no? Which one won the poll?
1: I'm going to say yes. I think Brock's an easy guy to cheer for. Indeed. So I still think the fans have some belief in Brock Besser, but as I recall asking him outside, out back of the rink and Whistler last year at training camp, is this the year? And he looked me in the eye and said, this is the year. And of course, didn't even get to 20, let alone 30. No. The time for talk is over. Like, a- enough of the talk I'm sure he'll get asked those questions again as uh, players assemble here in the offseason ahead of camp, but talk is cheap. It is about putting pucks in the net, and to this day, twenty nine goals as a rookie remains his high water mark. So
0: Agree with you wholeheartedly. A lot of wishful thinking here and talk being cheap at this stage. Yes won the poll. What percentage said yes?
1: I can say fifty five. Sixty three. Really? Well okay.
0: Guy says he's gonna bust out this year of healthy and has another gear with new fitness. Tanya, nope. And given that he needs to and given that he needs to be moved. Not interested in supposed top six guys who can't get to 30 goals and 75 points. Adam hit it, says exactly as he's put uh, laid it out, Jeff. Voted no, but I'd love to be wrong. More on the Vancouver Canucks in Welcome Matt, but with Jeff here, we're gonna look at the Canucks. And contention, that big word that has eluded them for the better part of a decade here as the week goes on in welcome nets and with Bodog poll questions.
1: One little piece I just of that OEL trade, like we focus on Dylan Gunther the other way, but the Coyotes took the second rounder, flipped it to Minnesota, and got Jack McBain, who is a twenty-three-year-old center who had twelve goals and twenty-six points in his first full. National Hockey League season.
0: And that's Andrew Sun, if I'm not yep. mistaken, the former NHLer who played Junior A Ontario hockey, which is not a route where you see a lot of top prospects going. We're accustomed to that in the BCHL, but less so in Ontario. And the pick uh, they sent to Minnesota, 47th overall in the second round of 2022, turned into a centerman Hunter Hate, for the Wild. So he is on my list of one of the picks that they have traded out since 2015. The BC Alliance have moved to five and one with a 19-9 victory over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Saturday before 24,000 at BC play stadium. They lose the quarterback Vernon Adams early in this contest and yet are able to persist, you know, throughout the winter. I was always a little skeptical when Rick Campbell or Neil McAvoy said, Vernon Adams is our number one guy unquestioned because number one depth, at quarterback important in an 18 game CFL season. Number two, you know, Vernon had had his opportunities and had dropped the ball. And so I thought it was a terrific addition to get Dane at Dane Evans in, even at the paltry cost of a conditional mid round pick. And he is worth that pick and more. After what he delivered on Saturday, 16-25 to 25 for 219 yards with a touchdown and leading the Leos to victory on Watermelon Smash Day at BC Place. And I saw some of that social video went around and around. Uh, looked like a fun day at the ball. Bo- I was down in Seattle, but it looked like a fantastic day
1: at BC Place on Saturday. Matt, these guys are just checking off boxes by the week here, on the field, off the field. Uh, not many misses for the BC Lions. Now, the hope is that Vernon Adams isn't going to miss a lot of time. Schedule probably works in their favor that they've got Edmonton up next. And you'd like to think that maybe you play the cautious card here. Don't try to rush Vernon Adams back and, and think that you can get past the Eskimos with your backup quarterback. And
0: we'll hear from Coach Campbell here on today's show on that matter exactly.
1: But this defense... The third time in six games, the Lions have held opponents to under 10 points. Of course, they shut out the Elks not that long ago. Um, Did I call them the Eskimos again? I think I just did. Um, But yeah, like so the combination, if this defense plays the way that it can, I, I think you can still win football games with a backup quarterback if you only need 15, 18, 19 points. Yeah.
0: See, they say defense wins championships. I'm not sure that has traditionally been the case in the Canadian Football League. Don't get me wrong, you do have to play that side of the ball and you have to be better than most, but oftentimes we have seen offenses offensive football carry teams to great cup to Grey cup mm-hmm. championships. Uh, as I, I love the way you put it, checking off boxes each and every day like on just virtu- virtually every category in which you can hold a franchise to account, Ryan Phillips has done an extraordinary job as the defensive coordinator there, and boy, do they have some talent and their guys get better. That's the other thing. They're developing. I mean, when you look at Fladek and Betts and some of the guys, the young Canadians that have come up and become much better football players over the course of the last two to three seasons, I mean, shout out to the way that they're developing these guys on top of the fact that they have some pretty good talent on the defensive side of the ball. and And Jeff, like The running game doesn't even get going for the Lions on the weekend and still they're able to win. You mentioned the single digits. Blake and I talked about it last week coming off. What was a tremendous weekend for the CFL said, Hey, they needed that weekend of entertainment because look at the single digit scores in the first five, six weeks of the calendar. Um, And the BC Lions are responsible and their defense is responsible for a lot of those single digits that we've seen put up. So the beat goes on, Mention we'll talk to Coach Campbell here today. They go into the Alberta capital where the Elks have lost 20 straight home games. It has tied a North American Big Four sports record. You've got to go back to the St. Louis Browns days before they become the Baltimore Orioles to find a team that has lost 20 in a row. At home. And one of the questions we asked Coach Campbell is, you know, your family is so intertwined with the history of that franchise. If you don't know, his father, Hugh, was their coach when they won five straight Great Cups in the late 70s when Rick was growing up. You know, what do the Campbells make of what has become of that franchise? And, yes, Elks now. Yes. I'm no longer.
1: But this is the old banana peel game, right? Like, don't slip up. Just get in. Get the Don't w. be the squeak <laughs> exactly. buster,
0: the slump buster for the Edmonton Elks. Speaking of extraordinary happenings, Vancouver Whitecaps FC and Club Leon and 19 shootout rounds, penalty rounds, Jeff, on Friday night at BC Place. I bet you there were some people in stadium ops going, if they don't finish this up quickly, we might be tight to getting everything ready for the Lions game That's tomorrow. right, that afternoon. 4 o'clock kickoff
1: on Saturday to turn around and get the field ready. Matt, I've watched a lot of soccer over the years. I've never seen anything like this. And I, I know that there have been penalty kick shootouts where goalies have been involved we were on the verge of getting the goalies for a second <laughs> time in this, and I'm not sure that even like some of the hardcore White Cap fans probably, and but certainly the Casuals, you know, don't understand League's Cup like mm-hmm. this is a new tournament. Yep. Within the MLS season, so they played 90 minutes and then went directly. There couldn't be draws, so directly to penalty kicks. There wasn't mm-hmm. extra time. Um, and so that was a little confusing, I think, for some. And then it was just a nonstop penalty kickathon, if you will. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, and the crazy part for me was they each... Leon went first, so the Whitecaps had to match every time. Um, they each were successful on their first two attempts and then failed on the next two. So after four rounds, <laughs> there had only been four goals. And then... They scored again. And the White Caps had a chance to I want to say in like the seventh round, the White Leon missed, and the White Caps had a chance, and then they missed. Mm-hmm. And so it went on and on. And then after that, twenty-one successful penalty kicks until Luis Martins missed for the second oh. time. Nineteen rounds. Oh my goodness. He was one of the White Caps that had two attempts. And he went over mm-hmm. on the night. So uh, we saw great attempts. We saw terrible attempts. We saw some really nice saves, goaltender anticipation, a couple of cheeky ones uh, Mm -hmm. right down the middle. Uh, When you have that many attempts, obviously, you're going to see just about everything that soccer has to offer. But it was uh, an incredible sight that felt like it might never end. But ultimately, uh, after 19 rounds of penalties. We yeah,
0: And if you were there at uh, Friday at BC Place, I think you can legitimately say you've seen something you've never seen before and will never see again when you think of 19 penalty kick around uh, uh, Sergio Cordova with a couple of goals in the match, continuing yep. his fine run of play. And boy, have the Caps needed that. Another striker, a different style of striker, too, from Brian White to step on up. He was so snake bit earlier in the year. So good to see a designated player finally starting to pan out here before our eyes. And I'm not sure how much you and um, Blake discussed it Friday, if at all, uh, given the out-of-left-field news on Julian Gressel, who wanted to go back east, and the Whitecaps granted that wish. But needless to say, now you've got to replace him in the midfield, and so you're going to have some guys who are going to be required to step up here. Caps in L.A. Saturday to face the Galaxy in the next game in this League's Cup tournament. Well, down in Seattle on the weekend, Jeff, I, I speaking of things that you've never seen before and will never see again, I'm not sure I will ever see a lineup for merch as big as I saw on Saturday late morning, early afternoon, when the Swifties were already in fine form and snaking around the parking lot outside of Lumen Field just to hit up the merch trailer. It was astonishing to see young ladies all dressed up for the Taylor Swift concert, and and Carmen was just delighting in all the different outfits. But eight hours before the concert was ready to go, and I know your better half and your daughter Caitlin made it down to Seattle, to see all of that taking place as Blue Jays and Mariners fans were filing into the stadium... And look, thirty some thousand at the ballpark, and there might have been thirty some thousand in line for Taylor Swift merch. What a weekend in Seattle! Um, it was—I uh, can attest—not particularly easy to find a cab or an Uber hmm. after the ball game uh, on Saturday. But the M's beat the Jays two out of three, which is sorely needed because they're the team in chase position in the wild card standings. It was playoff atmosphere at T-Mobile with all three games. I saw your tweet, Jeff, going down to the final at-bat. Teoscar Hernandez with some revenge and the walk-off home run on Friday. And then the big mistakes from the Blue Jays and all the home runs on Saturday's game at Cracker at 9-8. And then last night uh, or yesterday afternoon with the Blue Jays finally getting back and getting a victory. Hey, If you're going down to Seattle and dealing with the border lineup and the prices of hotels and the dollar, of course, we're not exactly exchanging at friendly rates these days. The J's and M's gave you everything that you wanted in a baseball series.
1: Yeah, I sat out this weekend, but uh, the Patterson's contributing to the Seattle economy. You're right. Uh, Wife and daughter took in Taylor Swift last night. So it sounds like they had a good time. But those that went for baseball... Man, that was an incredible three days of entertainment. I know you were there Friday, Saturday. Even the Sunday game down to the last pitch, uh, yep. you thought, given what had happened in the first two games, could the Blue Jays' bullpen uh, hold its own? And ultimately, it did on Sunday to get the job done. But you want drama. You want like the stars coming out. You talk about Vladdy hitting home runs as he did at the Derby there not that long ago. Uh, but Julio Rodriguez had a homer on Saturday after I mean, balls just fly back to back homers on both sides on, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, yeah. Teoscar Hernandez, the hero on Friday, but then he had the home run go off his glove. I yep. mean, great attempt, but couldn't haul it in yesterday. Uh, Alec Manoa, I thought showed some signs of life. I think there was a positive step yesterday. It wasn't perfect, but better than he has been. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who, who, like, some of it has to be the atmosphere and the environment, but the Mariners and the Blue Jays producing just these great dramas in midseason—it was incredible theater.
0: And shout out to all the uh, Secarecson Price listeners I met down there, Ferris and Andrew, who kept me apprised of what was going on at BC Place with the White Caps, Craig Ryan, Swifty Dad Ted, everybody we met down in Seattle this week—in a fantastic time uh was had and 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 i'll say this jeff because i know you're a mariners fan you fall on that side of the divide the ems fans had a lot of material this year with the playoff collapse of the blue jays last year and, and were quick with the holster so well done you earned that all the ems fans who uh Suffered the Blue Jays invasion once again at Rogers Center West.
1: Blue Jays are gonna to have to go out and acquire Cal Raleigh just so that he can't do any more <laughs> harm right. to
0: them. Well, and when Jansen got hit on the hand yesterday, there, Showman and Buck were talking about just that. Like, okay, be down to just Kirk in the emergency. Dalton Varsho at catcher. Uh, trade deadline a week away here in Major League Baseball. So it's funny because I was talking to some N's fans prior to the game on Friday and they were talking about trade Tay Oscar trade all the guys who are free agents doesn't going to be our isn't going to be our year and then they get a couple of victories and then you now wonder whether Jerry DePoto will finally go out and supplement that offense i mean they're starting pitching Jeff is extraordinary i mean watching you know Miller's a little frustrating cuz he uses every second available to him but it works for him and uh, Gilbert, who's got some flamboyance on the mound, and then this kid Brian Wu has also been very good for them as well. I mean, they got two rookie starters in there after after um, patriating Gilbert and Kirby, good young first-round picks to the major league staff, and that's on top of Luis Castillo. You watch the M's pitch and you go, that's a team that in a in a playoff series, if they get the sort of pitching they're capable of, is an anything can happen team. That's the one distinction between the baseball playoffs and some of the other playoffs, certainly basketball, and I would argue hockey and football as well. As you see, almost every I mean, Washington winning that World Series, Philadelphia going to the World Series last year. That is, this is still a sport where get in, anything can happen. If you get bats hot at the right time, and particularly if you have starting pitching. And you've got a good, few good bullpen arms, and the M's have every bit of that I thought, as they make their playoff push.
1: I, I thought Brian Wu got the Buck Martinez seal of approval yesterday. Buck often doesn't pay much mind to the other team; uh, has the blinders on for the Blue Jays, but he had nothing but good things to say about uh, the way Wu pitched yep. and painted the. He was painting corners.
0: He had a he had a terrible major league debut. Wu he got rocked in his first start his ERA is up around five, but his whip suggested it should be much better than that. So I, I think there's that. I think he's another keeper uh, on top of Miller. And like I say, with Gilbert Kirby and Castillo already there, boy, one through five, the M's are darn, darn good with who they throw out. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by the Dutch to breakfast, the brunch, to lunch, get it all at the Dutch. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including lefties on the golf course and Andre Kuzmenko training a half a world away. Rick Campbell, the head coach and co-general manager of the BC Lions, will join us. He'll update us on the condition of Vernon Adams, how he will make his decision this week on whether Adams is even going to be available for Saturday in Edmonton on what people are calling the best defense in the Canadian Football League, and frankly, a defense that a third of the way through the season is tracking as a historic defense in the Canadian Football League, uh, as well as, as mentioned, the opponents, the winless opponents on Saturday, 20 in a row they've lost at Commonwealth. We'll get to the golf report later in the program with the little lefty Brian Harmon breaking through with a tremendous victory, a runaway victory, at the 151st Open Championship. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious, probably not, but I do know it was another WTF moment. My question of ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. This week on some Price, we're going to take a look at the Vancouver Canucks and what it will take to be contenders. We've got our Canucks reporter Jeff Patterson sitting in for Blake. We've just rounded the anniversary of the Oliver ekman Larson trade and this summer, of course, is now all about Elias Patterson and a contract extension for the Canucks best forward. Canucks fans have fairly criticized the organization for taking its eye off the prize that the Jim betting era was defined by trying and mostly failing to build a playoff team, not a not a Stanley cup contender and that the Alvine and Rutherford regime have followed in those footsteps with the Philip Rona trade and the immediate maxing out of spending to the cap. There are many in this show included who have started asking the following question with every Canucks move to what end. So for example, the signings of Carson Soucy and Ian Cole this summer, are they championship pieces or are they simply stop gaps? Will they be around when the team is ready to contend? And if so, Will they be playing important roles throughout the week? We'll discuss what it will take for the Canucks to contend when that might be, whether it means keeping or moving on from anyone in the core. Plus what has prevented them from taking those steps over the last decade, this coming season will mark the 10th since the Canucks fired Mike Gillis and hired Jim Benning because they wanted more of a scouting build to their franchise that lasted nearly eight seasons before they changed course again to Rutherford and Alvin. Through it all, losing has replaced winning, and the organized repu- organization's reputation has taken a significant hit. Winning is the best deodorant, of course, but the city's first cup championship remains the goal, and we'll discuss how they get there this week on the show. That's welcome, Matt, for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback chan- channels as follows on email, live at some Price. Dot com. You can text seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. 402 9680 It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter. I'm at Sakaris, at Sakaris and Price. And a welcome at a presentation of Northlands Golf Course, Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course. Going to be out there on Thursday playing, Jeff. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Don't forget to join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. Get all the details at GolfNorthlands.com. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, neighborhood brewing, workshop spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise, Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirits. some Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group and hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, is brought to you by our friend Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. The market's crazy again. Interest rates raised a couple weeks back. Higher than before. If you're thinking about buying a home, find out where you stand now. Get yourself pre-approved and don't play catch up. Catch up. Find out more with Jason at Jason.Mortgage.
1: I'll start us off here. I've got one from Phil Pritchard. At Keeper of the Cup, he's one of the white glovers that goes wherever the Stanley Cup goes. And this weekend, he was in Brandon, Manitoba. GM Kelly McCrimmon of the Golden Knights brings the Cup back home to Brandon and pays a special tribute. And there's a picture of Kelly holding the Stanley Cup under a big banner of his brother Brad, who, of course, was uh, taken far too soon, along with so many others in the Aeros level, uh plane crash. But a uh, nice family moment there for the McCrimmons. Kelly with the cup back in Brandon.
0: His brother was a damn good player. Yeah. 1,200 NHL games. And it's funny because I remember him most as a Calgary Flame, probably because he was with that great Flames team in the late 80s. We had a very good run in Boston, a very good run in Philadelphia, and Detroit as well. Very nice gesture from Kelly McCrimmon. I'm uh, going a little further away than... Brandon, Manitoba, all the way to Bali, Indonesia, at Hockey Agent 1. This is Dan Milstein, who represents, of course, a number of Vancouver Canucks, including Andre Kuzmenko. Our client's wish is our command. When Andre Kuzmenko of Vancouver wanted a vacation in Bali, we were tasked with finding and providing on- and off-ice training the best in the business were dispatched to Indonesia to prepare our friend for the upcoming season. And there's video there of Kuzmenko Working out. Yes, that's right. Rick Talkett in the summer. And I don't believe Coach Talkett was very pleased about these vacation plans, but I do think Dan Milstein and the Gold Star Hockey Agency were able to make this work for all parties and dispatching who they dispatched and finding the facilities for Kuzmenko to train in Indonesia. And as we know, the Canucks Russian players have not not gone home this summer, and that's probably a wise decision. I'll say this, and you're closer to it than me, we made fun of him a little bit. He certainly belabored summer training. But I think the message has been pretty well received amongst Canucks players, Jeff.
1: Yeah, well, the Canucks themselves posted uh, a picture. I guess it came from Elias Pettersson's Instagram uh, working out. and He looked ripped the other day. Uh, and Kuzmenko, like, talk it probably feels a little bit better about things now. After watching some of these videos that Milstein and his company have put out, like, Kuzmenko looks like he's putting in the work. Uh, here this off-season. So, yeah, the big summer that Rick Tockett talked about ad nauseum. It feels like some guys are uh, you know taking the coach's advice.
0: Beginning of the year, we were all a little concerned about Kuzmanko's fitness. You and others who attended training camp in Whistler often found him hunched over, yep. looked like he was the guy searching for air <laughs> earliest. But frankly, I thought I thought he endured pretty well last year, particularly with the gruel of an NHL schedule. 82, it's more than you play in the KHL. All things considered, were you pleasantly surprised with Kuzmenko and the stamina and endurance he showed last year?
1: Yeah, because it wasn't just training camp. Remember, his first preseason game, he had the longest average shift length, and that had people freaking out. And now some of that was power play, and that will uh, extend the average shift length for some of the guys. But you're right. I think uh, that storyline went away. Were there issues about back-checking at times and reads? And Sure, but... I don't think those were necessarily related to conditioning and fitness. So he's got the baseline now, as you said, of one full National Hockey League season. He's got contract and some security. Uh, you know, it would be easy, I think, for some guys to put their feet up after getting the bag. But no, I mean, that's, that's promising that Kuzmenko is putting in the work from these videos. Uh, Bali, not uh, necessarily a hockey hot spot, but uh, hey, you do what you do, or you have to do, uh, in the off season, I guess, if you can't go home. Uh, I've got one from the National Bank Open at NBO Toronto. This is, of course, the men's tennis event, uh, National Open uh, in this country. Is
0: that this week or next?
1: Uh, It's next week. Mm -hmm. Novak Djokovic has withdrawn from hashtag NBO23 due to fatigue. As a result, Wimbledon quarterfinalist Christopher Eubanks will now gain automatic entry into the draw uh, the tournament trying to put a spin on it, yeah and Eubanks is a nice story. American player uh, who, I mean, we'll see ultimately where his career goes, but he's not Novak Djokovic. No. Uh, Djokovic has won this thing four times in the past. They do have Alcaraz. They've got a number of the top ten players in the world.
0: Do they have Chapo and Felix? Or are they both playing?
1: Uh, yes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Felix certainly, but yeah, I think uh, both of them are, are there. But still, that's a blow any time that uh, yeah, of course. Novak, especially at this stage of his career, because I saw the quote, Uh, Novak offered up, or somebody from his camp offered up, and it said, you know, I hope to be able to get back to play uh, in the National Bank Open in years to come. But ultimately, you know, we don't know. I I think he's got a few years left. i got to
0: say, Jeff, like, tennis seems to be the one sport that's immune to load management. Like, this doesn't surprise me at all. At this stage in his career, especially with... Coming off Wimbledon. Well, just, he plays a lot of grueling finals, Novak Djokovic. And of course... I don't look. I, I, I'm sure he wants to win the other tournaments, but at this stage of the game, like a fifth NBA Open, I'm not sure what that does to the resume. It's all about those those majors sure. at this stage of the game, and when you think some of them play doubles as well in the heats, it's um, it's surprised me incredibly conditioned. Athletes. Lastly, for me, uh, just following up on a story we did a couple of weeks ago at MLB Pipeline, Blue Jays have agreed to a deal with Canadian born ninth round pick Sam Shaw, the 274th overall pick from Lambrick High in Victoria, for $285,000, which is uh, more than $100,000 over the slot value of that pick. So, congratulations to Sam and the Shaw family, and then the other British Columbian taken in the Major League Baseball draft at Clee Guard Pro. Cleveland Guardians have officially signed to 2023 10th round pick 20-year-old left-hander Matt Wilkinson out of Central Arizona College. He's from White Rock. Wilkinson signed for $110,000, so congratulations to both and best of luck on your pro baseball journey. And I know Sam was very much looking forward to play at Nat Bailey Stadium at some point here on his way up the ladder.
1: All right. I got one more. This one's from at Justin Ray golf this is the content producer covers uh, golf around the world. Uh, we touched on it in the golf report, Brian Harmon winning the open championship, but this tweet says Akshay Batia wins the Barracuda championship. His first career PGA tour win. Of course, this is the opposite field event that was held down in the Lake Tahoe era yesterday. And it's notable that, because not only is actually Mattia, a 21 year old uh, guy that didn't play college golf, turned pro right away, and got himself a win, this is the first time in PGA Tour history that two lefties have won on the same day. Giant fist pump here in <laughs> studio.
0: <laughs> Look out, world. Here we come. A <laughs> couple of lefties here. In fact, when we play Luke and it's three lefties. That's right. <laughs> and that's hashtags for today. So here's some price from Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. You can get into a 23 Centra from eighty-three dollars weekly, or how about the twenty-three Murano from one thirty-five weekly? The SL Midnight Edition of the 23 Armada from 895 monthly. I find them at Applewood, because you know, as they say, it's all good. At Applewood. Bodog, poll question today. We are asking you: would the Canucks be contenders if they had kept every first and second round draft pick from the start of the Jim Benning era? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price. On Twitter, a Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy and sports odds. And Texas shortstop Corey Seager sprained thumb read last week that the Houston Astros in hot pursuit are going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. Houston's free back of Texas right now. I like them to overcome, win the AL West. It pays plus 110 on your Bodog line of the day we're with the head coach and co-general manager of the bc Lions. they moved to five and one with a 19 to 9 victory over the saskatchewan rough Riders saturday at bc place that said the quarterback vernon adams goes down uh joining us now to discuss rick campbell hi rick how you doing first of all congratulations on the win
2: thank you how are you guys doing yeah very well
0: doing thank well. you um First things first, on the victory, um, ugly duckling, but you got to win some of those as the course of the season goes along. What stood out in your mind?
2: Yeah, I think defensive coaches wouldn't tell you it's an ugly duckling. I thought both defenses played really well, and it was tough sledding for the offenses. And uh, um, our special teams came up big, too. Our coverage units with uh, versus uh, Alfred, he's, a, he's an excellent player, and we were able to make him a non-factor in that game, which is tough to do, so... I was really proud of the guys. We had to grind out the win. It wasn't always highlight real stuff, but uh, it's obviously a huge win when you look at the standings and being against a Western team. So um, obviously really happy with the win.
0: Update us on the quarterback, Vernon Adams, and his knee. How's he doing today? What's his
2: prognosis? Yeah, it's a short-term. We're looking at a short-term injury. It's nothing serious. Uh, We've not determined whether he's going to play this week. Um, but we're going to make a decision here in the next 24 to 48 hours. Cause I want to make sure whoever's starting for us gets a full week of practice. So he's feeling even much better than he thought he was going to feel, which is good. So we're, we don't want to make any declarations and then change our mind or something. so, uh, we'll, we'll the players, we don't practice today. Anyway, this is the player's day off from practicing and then we'll be back at it tomorrow. And I think we'll have some pretty good clarity tomorrow, but, uh, we're talking about a week or two uh max is what we're looking at which is good news
0: yeah excellent news uh coach prior to this past week what has been the uh divvying up of the snaps at practice with the starting quarterback and with the backup quarterback
2: yeah the backup doesn't get much uh they they uh they you got to really rely on uh, mental reps he does get some um but uh, we we've we do this. This is the way we've always done it. So the the starter guy's got to be the guy getting ready to go, and then uh, um, the backup gets gets a limited amount. Uh, but uh, got to get all the mental reps and do that. That's part of being being in that role.
1: One of the reasons you went out and got a guy like Dane Evans was you wanted a little bit of experience at the backup position in case you encounter this. And we know that. Quarterbacks around the CFL seem like an endangered species uh, these days. It's unbelievable how uh, they're dropping across the league. But what did you make of Dane's performance under those circumstances?
2: Yeah, like I said, Saskatchewan was playing well. They were getting a lot of pressure on us, so I was you know that was good on him for coming in and stepping up and making making plays. Um, Uh, like I said, against not an easy defense to play against. So he he did a great job. It's exactly why we traded for him was to get veteran QBs. I I can't think of, maybe you guys can come up with it, but it's it's rare you go through any CFL season where you don't need at least two quarterbacks to get it done, and um, that rings true again this year. And, uh, you know, that's you never can have too many experienced quarterbacks, and we're lucky to have three of them.
1: Rick, and I'm not saying at all that it happened this week, but I just, in your years of football, have you had teams, have you seen uh, where a sideline sags or droops when a quarterback goes down, that there's sort of this woe is me, that it, you know, it's not going to happen for us in that moment?
2: Yeah, I think guys. I think guys have so much respect for Vernon, and they're cheering him on, you know, as a teammate. That they're more bummed out from that point of view. I think they fully thought we could go win the game from that point of view. But anytime anyone gets hurt, a teammate gets hurt, um, you know, you're, you're hurting for those guys. So I was I was proud that uh, you know we were able to respond from Dane to everybody else that uh, we're able to stick with it and grind it out and get a win
1: want to ask you about one guy, uh, and I know it's a team game, so maybe it's not fair to single out a guy, but this guy's been so good for you and didn't come into the season with the hype of some of the other receivers, but Alex Hollins has just stepped up and been a performer since day one and was again on Saturday in the win over Saskatchewan. What do you appreciate about a, a guy like Alex Hollins?
2: Yeah, great energy, uh, competitor, athletic. Our guys, he was on the practice roster last year, our coaches liked him from the get-go and we were excited to find a way to get him on the roster he was just stuck behind some pretty good players so you know he ended up being a contributor for us in the playoffs last year um and it wasn't surprising once he got on the roster that he made he made big plays and i'm happy for him that he's been able to do it consistently this year and that was the plan in training camp was to to let him go with this the starting group and and uh, see how he went but yeah he's a fun guy to have on the team you know most importantly he's a good player on the field but he's also an excellent personality in the locker room and brings uh, great energy every day to practice
0: well you guys seem to have a conveyor belt of receivers these days rick uh anytime anybody misses a game somebody steps up and doesn't look out of place in the least uh, a follow-up on dane evans if if you don't mind he was leading Hamilton to a pair of gray cups and then you guys were able to get him for a conditional draft pick in the off season. What happened? Why did he far, fall so far from grace and what did you guys see in him that made you decide to go out and acquire him this past off season?
2: Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to speak to Hamilton on that. I don't have any inside knowledge or opinion on that one other than we know that he's been a very good player and we were thrilled to be able to get him and when we had the opportunity to make that trade we thought it was well worth it and so uh, luckily we were able to get a deal done and obviously um, you know totally excited to have him you know this is a league that you can have a very good team and if you don't have competent quarterback play you almost, it's really, really hard to win. So uh, we'll always put a premium on making sure we have enough QBs around here. And like I said, we're fortunate to have uh, have three guys that have, have taken a lot of snaps in this league and, and won and get on, like I said, get on Dane for be able to step in on a, in a tough situation to get it done for us.
0: There was a lot of talk about best D in the league after the game. What do you think, Coach? Do you think you have the best defense in the Canadian Football League?
2: I'm a I'm a show me not talk guy. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't need me or anyone else selling that we got the best defense. That's you know, I know guys talk and have fun and all that stuff. But I'd much rather show up and and do it every week. Obviously our defense is playing very well and has been a huge part of why, why we are five and one as a football team. But, uh, uh, humble and hungry is, is good enough for me. I don't need to hear about um, how good we are. I'd rather go out and just do it.
0: You said earlier when you look at the standings, well, 5-1 and one atop the West, lead Winnipeg by a, a half game. They have two losses at 5-2. and two. When you look at the standings, what do you see right now, Coach?
2: Well, we put ourselves in a position to have some really important games coming up. And uh, our guys, I appreciate our guys have done a good job of just taking it week by week and just trying to go one and oh each week and so um, you know we have we have four wins against the west we beat every west team which is which is a good thing all all these teams we're going to play three times so the tiebreakers are going to be big as we come down the home stretch so you know that's why i say when we beat everybody once we're we're one and oh on those tiebreakers right now and um there's going to be some tough games well there's going to be a whole bunch of tough games coming up you just look at our schedule we keep going through this west gauntlet of uh of playing those teams and they're all important important games so you know get on our guys so far to getting us into this position and then uh um, you know, just need to, you know, you know, if any wins you can put in the bank early, obviously, is as good as you get into the second half of the season.
1: You said you didn't want to talk about the defense, but we do want to talk about the defense, uh, and they do keep showing uh, with their performance on the field. But, Rick, this is the CFL. You guys have held three of your six opponents to single digits. Like, if you had done that in a half of a football game, that would be impressive. But to do it in three of your six games so far, like, you're doing things that just, uh, dare i say shouldn't be done uh in this league where scoring you know it's all about putting points on the board
2: yeah no i don't mean to downplay our defense i just said i didn't need to talk talk them up they're they they've done a great job um i really like how they're playing as a unit a lot of time i always ask our coaches for a player of the game when we win a game um and our defensive coaches always say well, they don't know who to choose, which is a good sign is that they're playing well as a group. We're not relying on one or two superstar guys. We have a bunch of guys playing well, playing fast, playing hard. Um, I like how our defensive staff, our coaches work as a group too. So we're really a strength in numbers um, type of operation on defense. And, uh, you know, good on them. I, they, they're, they're playing well, and uh, we just want to keep that going.
1: How do you approach a week like this one where your next game is against the Edmonton Elks? And if you look at the standings, you know their record. We know their record. In some ways, is this a week where coaching takes on more of a focus? Like Human nature would be the players might let up thinking this is going to be easy. I know it's pro sports and there is no easy games. Edmonton's not going to lose every game they play for the rest of time. So, like, is there an element that the coaches have to stay on top of the players, sort of crack the whip to make sure that there is no let up in your performance?
2: You, yeah, you. with their record, I fully understand that line of thinking. Um, I don't think it's going to be a tough sell job on our players to say that it's. they know that it's going to be a tough game. They've played Saskatchewan twice, and it's come down to literally like the last play of the game. They played Winnipeg. The score was—they were playing in Winnipeg last week. The score was six to six at halftime. So when you throw on the film, you don't really have to do a big sell job. Sometimes zero seven teams are just not good, or you know they just—that can be a tough sell. But when you watch the game film, there's no question we're gonna have to go in there and play really well to to beat them. And so um, I always tell our guys too: the more the more confidence you get. And the more it becomes about us and the BC Lions, the less it is about who we're playing. Of course, we're going to game plan and study film, but we need to stay out of the business of trying to psychoanalyze the other teams on on what's going on with them. They have a lot of really good players. Um, Edmonton's going to make it tough on people, and uh, we need to make sure we're worried about ourselves and making sure that we are fully ready to go for Saturday. Because like I said, each no matter who you're playing, it counts as a win, so... Um, again, another Western team, and want to try to find a way to get a win.
0: A uh, question for you in advance of your journey there, because I'm sure it'll come up. They're 0 and seven. They've lost 20 in a row at Commonwealth. Rick, I mean, you when you were a kid, your dad was coaching them to five straight Grey Cups. What does the Campbell family make of what has happened to the Elks franchise here?
2: Yeah, there's so much distance now. I. It's kind of funny when I you go see uh, Edmonton or anyone there, the staff, the anyone I. I barely know anyone there anymore. It's really a whole whole different uh group of people. Mm-hmm. So, I'll always be cheering for Edmonton from the standpoint of I have a great appreciation for the city and that franchise and 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 all that, but uh there's definitely a lot of time and distance as far as the people and and then that type of stuff. So, um you know, I'm, I'm also a CFL fan, so obviously I, I want the, I want us to win. I'm not going to be cheering for other teams when we're playing them, but I also want every franchise in the CFL to be as strong as possible because I'm a, I'm a CFL fan as well.
0: Well, yours pretty good right now, Coach, uh, even with a backup quarterback winning that game on Saturday. A fantastic effort. Thank you for the time, sir. Best of luck in the Alberta capital.
2: All right. Have a good one.
0: from wall center presentation of the applewood auto group you can text us 778-402-9680 the great clips text message inbox great clips
1: it's gonna be great
0: well our final golf report of the summer here brought to you by the arnold palmer design whistler golf club where you know about the group and buddy and client outings if you want You, the organizer, can place for free. Groups of 12 or more, also home of the Nike Pro Shop, featuring exclusive footwear and apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nellie, and more, and Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill, where we had a wonderful meal last week. For more information or to book tee times, visit whistlergolf.com. Now, Jeff, I'm someone who can get behind the underdog, Mm -hmm. get behind the little guy literally and figuratively, in the case of this weekend's Open Championship. I heard them say he was 5'7 or 5'8. He doesn't even look 5'7 or 5'8, and he's kind of a small, featured, small, everything guy, Brian Harmon. But I'll say this. We talked about last week that this golf course Royal Liverpool, like a lot of the Open Rota courses, are pretty short for today's hitter. We talked about how that it was going to be a test of iron play as much as it was length off the tee. And we talked about how famously in 2006, Tiger pulled one driver all week in winning that open championship. So for me in 2023, with how far the ball is flying to the point where now we're rolling that back to the point where the equipment is just so forgiving and you got guys carrying 330 yards, whatever the case may be, some of these incredibly long drives. I think it's good for the sport that a shorter hitter, a fairways and grease, and I'll make my fair share of putts guy like Brian Harmon, can walk off with a major championship. To me, this was important that that level of player can still contend in the majors.
1: Yeah, I think in an era of Power golf. It was refreshing to see precision and putting take charge. Just an absolute stripe show off the tee. Not the longest guy, not the longest guy by a long shot, but still, as you said, uh precision off the tee, and then a clinic in and around the greens. He's one of the best scramblers in golf. He's one of the best putters uh, on the tour. Look, Matt, it wasn't that long ago that the major winners were Kepka, DJ. Dechambeau, yes, Gary Woodland. If you weren't built like a linebacker, don't even bother. That's right,
0: and this is counterbalance to the force.
1: But it started before this week. Like we saw Matthew Fitzpatrick win the U.S. Open a year ago. Yep, Cam Smith was the defending champ. He's not the longest guy in the world. Another uh, very good scrambler. That's two yeah. two in a row now
0: at the Open for guys who can scramble. And of course, given the golf courses and what they ask of you, it's so much different than American golf. You know that stands to reason. Yeah, in
1: fact, on the broadcast, they talked about Harmon, the way that they've tried to tiger-proof golf courses now, that some of those bunkers that were so penal, if you were in a fairway bunker, it was chip out and take your lumps, that they were designed to sort of play in the minds of some of those longer hitters that Harmon could swing away. Couldn't even reach. couldn't (laughs) reach them. And so, hey, he played to his strengths and... You know, runs away a six-shot win in the majors, oh. come on, or in a major. It wasn't a ton of drama. I saw people lamenting that fact, but that's a credit to Harmon. I mean, other guys found trouble and faded away, and the weather turned on the final day, and Brian Harmon just stuck with it. two bunkers all week, and one yep. of them was on 18 yesterday. And to me, I thought it was so important Like when it looked like he was leaking a little bit of oil uh, and maybe inviting the field back into it, came up with key shots and big birdies. He answered a ton of his bogeys. didn't have a lot of bogeys to begin with, but he answered a bunch of the bogeys with birdies. Yeah. And that uh, got him moving right in the, in the right direction.
0: You know, a journeyman who talked about how he would get in his own head and yeah. being able to set aside those demons, I think that's uh, an important evolution, an important story in professional golf. That's so much what it's about these days, right? Guys who are in position on the back nine on a Sunday who fall apart. It really wasn't too dissimilar from Tiger's win in 2006 in terms of the way he played the golf course. Jeff, it wasn't too dissimilar from Louis usason's win at St. Andrews where he just obliterated the field. And, you know, if you told me that there would be a guy who would run away with the Open Championship, Brian Harmon might have been the last guy uh, on that list for me. Uh, but he was com- utterly dom- dominant. Um, it's not often you want to come out of a major tournament talking about lag putting, but, you know, as you know, drive for show, putt for dough, and he proved that, right? I mean, he just did not have a lot of stressful bars all week. He was very near the hole, and um yeah, uh, the one thing we should get to here, and we've been all over this on the show, the slow play was a little
1: mm-hmm. the waggles.
0: <laughs> it, it's bad enough that we haven't had a lot of dramatic finishes at men's majors here over the last few years. That's another story we've been tracking that really we haven't seen 72nd hole drama or overtime, really. Maybe we should get the uh, whitecaps and club León to give them a lesson. But we haven't seen that at men's majors of late. And uh, nine waggles per shot is probably a little too much. Uh, You know, I I don't uh, support anybody on the golf course getting on someone. It's a sport of honor and some of the things that Carmen dealt with over the course of the weekend were not in the spirit of the sport. And, and, and frankly, quite surprising at the Open Championship because that tends to be you know, purist golf fans who don't go to those sorts of places. But nine waggles per shot, I was getting a little frustrated myself watching it yesterday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I found myself screaming at him, get on with it! Um, Hit the ball. You know, you got to do what you got to do. He's locked in. It's worked for him to that point. But yes, as a spectator and a fan of the game, Uh, it it is tough to watch And Obviously, Sergio went through it, and he heard about it from Galleries as well.
0: Patrick Cantley as well. Now, let me ask you this, because I saw a little bit of this talked about in the aftermath on social. Assuming Tiger Woods gets back to a place where he can walk 18 comfortably, we know he's not the longest hitter anymore by comparison to today's standards. Does yesterday's win for a guy like Harmon give you any sort of faith or belief that Tiger could contend at a major again, if healthy?
1: I think that because ship he sort has of played sailed. a
0: little bit in terms yeah. of hit fairways and greens, two putt, and let the rest of the field collapse.
1: I mean, we'll always have twenty nineteen at Augusta. I, I just I don't think that there's another act left in Tiger. In major yeah. championship golf. And twenty nineteen was incredible, but yeah. we're four years removed from that now. That was a golf course that he knew. Uh, like the back of his hand, a smaller field, uh, all those things that kind of played into it. And a
0: bunch of guys hitting the ball in the water on <laughs> There was that too. <laughs> on top uh, if you remember.
1: So yeah. I mean mm-hmm. I I know where you're going, but I, yep. I just I, I I think Tigers days of winning and even contending in majors. Uh, Is probably a thing of the past.
0: Time now for errors and omissions. Um, I've got a couple from Thursday's program. Self-reporting said the Mariners were 500 at the time. They were a game below 500. Uh, Also said the uh, big bear we saw at Whistler. Big boy. Gray said, could have been a girl. Quite right. Uh, You've got one as well to self-report?
1: I do. Uh, Just a small one for Friday from hashtags. And it was golf related. I can't even remember. It was so small, but uh, I didn't read who the tweeter. I read the body of the tweet without the tweeter giving credit to the tweeter. So I walked away. How on Friday. dare I think, you? I know. Oh. I know. It doesn't. I don't think it's going to bring down the show. The show will go on. <laughs> yeah, but I think it might. As I walked out Friday, I was like, I don't think I did hashtags right on Friday. Uh. Flag on the play.
0: Time now for your Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. So you like what you got, Jeff? You've
1: been paying attention to what the Baltimore Orioles have been up to? Sure have. Took three and four from Tampa over the weekend. They're seven and three since the All-Star break. They are the best team by record in the American League. Now, people would argue they're maybe not the best team in the American League, but the record is what it is. As recently as last year, like, they were a punchline, an afterthought. And now they're the top team, or at least the best record, in the American League. So, with that in mind, Bodog has futures. If you like the Orioles to win the American League, now this isn't regular season, they would have to win the ALCS and punch their ticket to the World Series, you can get them at plus 850 right now. That's
0: incredible, 8.5. Obviously, the betting public still does not believe in these Baltimore Orioles, they have had an assembly line of position players come on up through their farm system and been bad for so many years, have drafted high, and a lot of those guys are now in the big leagues or on the verge of the big leagues, so they have the ammunition to go on out and add pitching at the trade deadline if they so choose. All of it on your Bodog line of the day thanks for listening everybody a reminder subscribe to us and ring wide wherever you get to your podcast and then please follow us on twitter insta youtube facebook tiktok and threads threads and of course support the local sponsors you hear us talking about keep it local